and you see it was going to hit uh, not only Florida but Georgia. It could have uh, was going toward the Gulf. That was what we what was originally projected, and it took a right turn. And ultimately, hopefully, we're going to be lucky. It depends on what happens with South Carolina and North Carolina. The opportunity to stay at Trump National in Dune Bag to accommodate the unique footprint. Don't blame the world for being politically correct. You know, actually, politically correct is not really politically correct anymore. Uh, it's a microaggression. That's crazy. Crazy? That has not been okay for a while now. Then I guess I won't say anything at all. Hello and welcome to Warren Cast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. So President Warren today forgave all student debt and then she forgave the jerks who begrudged the students who got their debts forgiven. Am I right? Lordy, is President Warren forgiving? But can we forgive her for wearing the same outfit every day? I mean, colorful jacket and all black? Snooze. Can we get a tan suit up in here, President Warren? What? What, Sorry. I was making President Warren jokes because she's the president. Oh, God. It's still 2019. And that bankrupt game show sadist is still in charge. I just want to put my head under the covers for one more minute and imagine Warren's in the White House and we're on the road to recovery. Is that too much to ask? Nobody shouts or talks too loud. Not in my Elizabeth Warren castle on a cloud. Okay, I have to admit, I've been briefly trying out hardcore denial in writing for Politico about Joe Biden and Barack Obama fan fiction. Okay, that really exists. It's ludicrous, and yes, it's liberal tears. But man, it is so funny to dive into books that show cartoons of Joe and Barack with names like Hope Rides Again, where they solve Encyclopedia Brown mysteries together. It's a little guilty pleasure. But by the way, that is where Joe Biden belongs, in my view, in nostalgic, cartoony fan fiction and not in the White House. But I digress. My guest in chronic pathological digression today is polymath John Fugelsang, mega celebrity of the left and all around good human. John has done everything, including he just told me he had George Harrison give his last performance. He also debated with that creep Jerry Falwell, the real one. The first one, Senior. And John has also got a fantastic podcast on Sirius called Tell Me Everything. Today, John has a big live comedy show up off Broadway called Laughing Liberally. And if you're in New York City, check it out. I'll be back with John in the studio in just a minute. But first, the tweets. The incompetent mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, was bothered that I played a very fast round of golf yesterday. Many polls exercise for hours or travel for weeks. Me, I run through one of my courses, very inexpensive. President Obama would fly to Hawaii. Khan should focus on knife crime, which is totally out of control in London. People are afraid to even walk the streets. He's a terrible mayor who should stay out of our business. For all the geniuses out there, many of who have been in other administrations and taken to the cleaners by China that want me to get together with the EU and others to go after China trade practices. Remember, the EU and all treat us very unfairly on trade also will change. We are doing very well in our negotiations with China. 
While I am sure they would love to be dealing with a new administration so they could continue their practice of rip-off USA, $600 billion a year. 16 months plus is a long time to be hemorrhaging jobs and companies on a long shot. And then think what happens to China when I win deal would get much tougher. In the meantime, China's supply chain would crumble and businesses, jobs, and money would be gone. John, welcome to the studio. Welcome to Trumpcast. It's so nice to be in your studio. Virginia. I know. Thank I'm you. flipping the script. Do they say anyone say flip the script? We can still say that. We're old people. Yeah, we can. We can I've do that. I've been on your rad show before, and you were just such a lovely host. And I, I like your rambunctious. There's a little drive time to your mm-hmm. show. Oh, sure. Right. There has to be. And you just do that interruption, and you make each other feel at home, laugh really nicely at each other's jokes and stuff. Well, it's weird. Uh, I'm working on like the only channel at SiriusXM that is devoted to being eclectic. That isn't niche. Everything is yeah. niche. And you know, literally, when we started this channel, my wife told me to put the word everything into the name of my show right. because uh, I didn't want to do just politics. I wanted to have comedy and pop culture, and we have rock stars and yeah. filmmakers and rappers and historians, sex, family, dating, nutrition, wellness right. tech. So um, that's been really fun. And it's sort of, I get to have three formats in one. I get to have my political talk ranting show, my serious NPR interview show, which you were on. And then my early Howard Stern, a bunch of comedians sitting around telling inappropriate jokes about headlines. It's too good. I know. It's, and also that, and that's testament to you, but, um, but I I have no attention span. That's all that is. (laughs) You make a virtue of your, uh, yeah, your vulnerability. I do that too. All right. I want to talk to you about comedy, Trump and atheism. Great. I don't know if you saw this, but Jane Costen, a Trumpcast favorite, said on Twitter, there are now 15 separate Netflix specials. She said there are like six, 15, so maybe it's less than that, featuring comedians saying, quote, dangerous things. And we're starting to think the effort to cancel comedians who say, quote, dangerous things may seem overstated. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So I started to think about I'm going to do some age dropping because we're the same age. You're about to turn 50, right? I heard that. I just turned 50, August. So, you know, we're both whatever Happy birthday. in the thing. Happy birthday to you and Woodstock and the, yeah. you know, Manson murders. We were the last things to happen in that decade. Exactly. Like after the moon landing, after Woodstock, after Manson. Actually, Ho Chi Minh died, I think, the night before I was born. I was thinking about an oldie thing, a time in, I think, 30 years ago, I saw Don Rickles open for Frank Sinatra. That's right. Right. And guess what he said? I'm not going to be politically correct here, right? Same thing. I'm not going to be politically correct here. All those school marms telling me I'm, you know, you got to be PC. I'm really going to say, are there Mexicans in the front row here? Because something smells bad. And that is what I hear Ricky Gervais doing now. And that is what I hear Louis C.K. doing now. The same old thing. It belongs on the Lawrence Welk show now. They call themselves dangerous and politically incorrect and Bill Maher things, but then they are just making jokes that our grandpas make about LGBTQ, XYZ. Uh, why are they going to let, you know, green people from outer space have three penises or whatever? It just, <laughs> I, see, I can do a parody yeah, of it. Yeah, no, and it's true. Actually, this is my final true parody of that humor. Okay, ready? The Nazis. Have you seen these guys? I'm not saying they're right, but they're kind of right. 
<laughs> we have a lot of that right now. Yeah. Well, it's it's tricky. I mean, first off, I'm thrilled to be on Trumpcast because I listen Thank to you, you as I bike around New York City all the time. And I, yeah. I do love the show and I, I love the culture that you guys have created with this podcast. It's really one of my favorites. When it comes to comedy, it's funny because political correctness is an awkward term that was a, really means uh, be less dickish. It, it really began as a way of just using language to redress very old grievances mm-hmm. and to try to be more inclusive and less mean to people and less hurtful. It's very well-intentioned. Mm-hmm. It goes too far, of course. I was once hosting a show on VH1, and I referred to Naomi Campbell as a, 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 you know this beautiful black supermodel, and I was upbraided for calling her black. I was said, call her African-American, and mm-hmm. I said, well, she, 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 she's British. <laughs> So, you know, it's supposed to be messy. And to me, it's really all about the intention. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you trying to say? What is the target of your joke? Now, like Rickles doing that, to me, I would think the modern corollary would be Lisa Lampanelli because she's an insult comic. She's not billed as a social commentator. She's an insult comic like Rickles. So Lisa Lampanelli, people of all races go because they know she's going to take on people of all races. Mm. A bit different for Rickles because it was primarily a white audience, but that's how it went. And uh, we don't talk that way anymore because... We are evolving. We are getting better. Mm-hmm. I mean, every way you want to look at, economically, we're, we're stuck. We're nowhere near where we should be, where we were in the 60s. But socially, it's undeniable. Me Too is proof of this. They've just added mansplaining to the Oxford English Dictionary and Webster's. Love it. Thank you, Rebecca Solnit. Right. TM. You know what it means, right? Mansplaining? <laughs> I mean, do you... We know. Tell me. Do you really know? No. A lot of you ladies say you, you know, know what it's weird because I don't like a lot of times. I'm, I'm happy just to tell like, you. I yeah. can't keep up. No, listen, I'm so I'm so busy with childcare. And I can help. Look, I'm an ally. Let me help you. Uh, <laughs> man, of a man needlessly explaining something to a woman mm-hmm. or to mm-hmm. be patronizing. That's, Wait, that's, can I sidebar? Do you know tell what patronizing you? means? <laughs> can I sidebar tell you that my mom? Uh, I feel that Rebecca Solnit did a beautiful job, nailed it with mansplaining. But my mother calls this the prosciutto lecture because years ago, (laughs) someone said to her, would you like the melon and prosciutto? And she didn't hear the waiter. And she said, sorry, what's that? And he said, it's a cured Italian ham. And she was like... Have I gotten this far in my life that someone would look at me and think, I don't know what prosciutto is. I am in a spiral of hell. So she would be, yeah, she said she's from West Virginia. People would tell, explain coal to her many, many times. And she would just be like, I'm getting a prosciutto lecture. But it wasn't gendered, I right. will say. And, and, and again, like I appreciate political correctness in this yeah. intent because it's meant to just be nicer to people. Yeah. And that's what we're here to do, right? Yeah. The problem is, of course, we have two addictions, in this country, two mm-hmm. universal addictions, left and right share. Mm-hmm. One is dopamine, mm-hmm. a little squirt in our brain when we think, oh, I'm, I've, I've got pleasure, and we yeah. think that's happiness. Yep. That leads to a lot of behavior on social media, pylon culture, I'm mm-hmm. winning right now, feels good, need mm-hmm. more. And the other addiction, the left and right share, is umbrage. And we Ooh, love, yeah, umbrage. liberals and conservatives love to be that's offended. That's a good word. Right? It's, yeah. So, you know, I love it too. In college, I love being offended. And... I, I, I had some bit a couple of years ago about um, some joke about Mike Pence and, and Putin and a gay thing. And, of course, yeah. I was uprated by a 20-year-old LGBT activist who told me I was a homophobe. And I'm like, yeah. I was marching in AIDS walks before you were born. Uh, no, you homophobic joke. Well, I said, no, it's it's not homophobic. It's homoerotic. The target are homophobes. Nope, it's homoerotic. Gay sex is, is funny. Well, 
all sex is funny. I said, uh, an erect male member is funny regardless of the gender it's being placed into. It's it's all uh, no, you're humble. I'm like, stop being so politically correct. I realized, oh my god, I've become the old guy defending it. Yes, yes, so it's you supposed have. to be messy. Because but, here's but the it, thing, I it's just respect, yeah. right? It's just about when they say don't shove political correctness down my throat. They're saying don't shove respect down mm-hmm, my throat. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, I think that's right. I love interruption, by the way, because I what I just am, did? because basically now since me too, I just do whatever the fuck I want. So I. I just interrupt people, interrupt my son because I'm owning the patriarchy mm. at every, you know, like this is a really, gotta say, it's kind of a good time to be a woman because you can I just be so. like, oh, look at that person in power that didn't give me a job. He's probably a human trafficker. You know what I mean? <laughs> like <laughs> you have all the cards, all the cards, I, you know, you can interrupt and it, and I can explain you and whatever. And I here I'm doing great. it right now. I'm, I'm going to talk over you. But I mean, to me, that's progress. I'm delighted to see, you know, white cis males um have to share the floor with people yeah. because i've I, I was blessed at having parents who were beyond that already and and growing up uh with this like presumed entitlement you reach an age where you either realize you have this mm. privilege or you don't and the poorest white guy out there has an easier time hailing a cab than mm-hmm. someone else mm-hmm. but the question is privilege isn't bad yeah it's the lack of awareness and appreciation of the privilege that causes all the problems the other thing is i the word patriarchy doesn't mean men and it's Correct. like it's just it's just been kind of bad for all of us I've just been, I talked about this on a last show, that at the G7, there was discussions of actual, like, official patriarchy in 41% of countries, like, men essentially own the women they live with. And we, it's like communism or something. It's an actual system of thought and thinking. And it hasn't been all that great for the men in my life, father, brother, whatever, who feel enormous pressure to um, perform, to, you know, like, be all-powerful penises, to whatever. Like, it doesn't look that fun to me to be a guy not because of me too but because of patriarchy me too is the thing that's like look it's going to help all of us i agree out of patriarchy you i just heard I, this I couples mean, therapist say no couple can survive unless they are walked out of patriarchy like it makes sense right patriarchy hurts men and it hurts decent guys and yeah. it hurts bad guys too i mean Think about your, like, women have had to contemplate their relation to sex. I just am like, let, let my brothers in arms contemplate their relationship with money because that is some f- stressful stuff you guys go through with the whole, like, I have to support families. Well, I always um, say, like, just as men could never understand pregnancy and childbirth, women could never understand what I call male provider anxiety. Oh, my God. Which yeah. makes a guy do crazy, desperate things. That looks really bad. Yeah. It does look really bad to me, I must say. But um, at, at the same time, though, I mean, it's an amazing time to be alive, especially as someone who, like, I grew up thinking, wow, the only way I can get girls to talk to me is I have to develop a sense of humor. Mm, you know, I mean, yeah. in many ways, the unsung villains of Me Too are the nice guys because <laughs> women know yeah. what cretins men can be and yeah. the cretinous men know how cretinous they can be. But yeah. the nice guys are generally oblivious. Yeah. I mean, n- unless you spend a lot of time in locker rooms or a lot of time around groups of mm-hmm. horrible men, nice guys go through their life thinking, I'm going to be a gentleman, I'm going to be do my best and, uh, and be nice to women. And they're the last ones to believe these horrible stories yeah. because we don't do it. It's not in our hearts. We don't see it. Yeah. That's why I think that one of the greatest effects of Me Too is all the guys that were woken up to how rough women have had it for so many centuries and no longer taking it for granted. And just as it's not enough to not be racist, you have to be Mm -hmm. anti-racist. Calling on men to be anti-misogynist is a beautiful little Mm -hmm. piece of evolution 
we get to witness right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's great to grow, but also people just want to feel better. And like the idea of of like lifting the burden and, you know, I'm just calling it patriarchy. I know that to some people that sounds like misandry or like only it's the enemy of women, but it's the, the it's the, you know. Acknowledging the patriarchy doesn't mean you hate men. I don't hate men. Right. Yeah. But, but I mean, that's what I mean. And it doesn't, it has all of us under its boot. And, um, and I think that uh, men can get some relief saying, you know, it turns out I'm not like providing. It's just not my jam. And I'd rather take care of the kids. You know, that's just. Oh, sure. And like the amount of relief that I've seen men get from realizing like I've got a real gift for cooking and I don't really have a gift for office politics. It's just not going to work for me. You know, it is the comedian's job to push this envelope, to to push the limits of expression. And it is, I'm not going to judge an artist for their content. I don't get to do that. But yeah, there's there's lazy jokes, you can tell. Right. And like, you know, I thought CK, who yeah. was a great stand-up, I thought his whole act has always been about what an awful man he is. He's the one who's mm-hmm. best suited to have a comeback. And I, I imagined he would go on tour with all those women opening for him, and they would roast him as opening acts. Right. And he'd come out stage, it would be the I'm Sorry tour, and you can really be part of the solution and own up to it. And it still plays into your persona. But then I, then I, you know, did something I shouldn't have done. I listened to a bootleg of, of the governor's show on Long Island that he did. And, you know, the great material is still there. The great performer is still there. But the Parkland kids jokes, the jokes about Chinese men, I could go on and on. And it just made me feel like, you know, he's on his own trip and it's not the comedian's job mm. to be politically correct. It's not the comedian's job to be a moralist. It's not their job to make you comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, you know, it's not your job to to make everyone have a good time. You are a comedian, but you get to do what you want to do. And if mm-hmm. you're preachy, they won't have you back in in this instance, though. I mean, I always viewed comedy as being a, a the best form of expression because Billy Wilder said, if you're going to tell people the truth, yeah. make it funny or they'll kill you. Ah, uh, yeah. And I live yeah. by it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, good if idea. So if you're going to go out there and, and, and push the envelope with shocking yep. material, it should serve the common good in some way. Yeah. If you've just fallen back on lazy... And again, there's always an exception. Mm-hmm. I, I literally will try sometimes to think of a tacky joke to throw in that would upset my wife or someone just yeah. so I don't seem too much like a virtue-signaling soy boy yeah. <laughs> Gandhi wannabe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. I like it. You mean like a vegany person, or do you mean that soy is estrogenic? <laughs> I'm going by the slurs hurled at me by anonymous cowards on Twitter who yeah. haven't mastered the your your oh, thing yeah, yet. Oh yeah, 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 um, exactly. Actually, you know, soy has a lot of plant estrogen, so maybe that's what they're getting at. Very, but. very cool. I know. Well, okay. Speaking of Twitter trolls, I wish that Louis C.K. spent more time because see, Parkland breaks. And yeah. then the trolls get to, you know, just make the dumb jokes about how much they hate the kids or the kids are fake crisis actors, whatever. So we have like churned through these tedious jokes out of the gate. So the weird thing is he's not actually being shocking and fresh he's not. when he repeats the right wing talking points. Like, not at all. He's, he's, he's turning into Dice Clay when he does that. Yeah. I do want to point out he did have other new stuff that's great and dynamic and boundary right. pushing and reminds you why he was such a visionary. Yeah. So. It's a strange blind spot for someone who is still a great artist, regardless right. of what he's done. And half of my job at SiriusXM over the past couple of years has been really doing a deep dive on, like, how do you ethically separate the art from the man? Do we have to devalue all our Picassos because he was a monster? Yeah, Hannah Gadsby says yes. John yeah. Lennon beat his first wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I have to throw out my Beatles albums or does the fact that he spent the 70s? 
owning up to it and apologizing mm-hmm. for it and talking about mm-hmm. it, it, how how mitigating is that? Yeah. You know, Hannah Gadsby's thing was about her education in art history vis-a-vis Picasso. So it's like you get the cubism sign, uh, you know, and remember she says like cubism. So then the whole class is this under the sign of cubism. We are now learning about this guy and no talk about his biography. It's more about the people being educated in. Well, if there's cubism, if there's the Harvard evolutionary psych department that Jeffrey Epstein gave his money to, if there's under the sign of Harvard, under the sign of cubism, under the sign of whatever, all this stuff that like feels really bad to us gets to go on and we don't get to question it. So maybe the idea is like how one thing is levered against the other. Look, I, I'm you know? thrilled that David Koch gave New York a beautiful ballet house that I can't afford to go into. Yeah. But, it, you know, I'm thrilled he he fought. He gave money to cancer research and he wasn't uh, anti-LGBT, wasn't yeah. anti-women's reproductive rights. It doesn't take away from the fact that he did everything he could to poison every unborn child on this planet yeah. exponentially yes. through enabling more pollution and poison in the air. So it's like we have to walk and chew gum mentally at the same time on every one of these cases. And, uh, you know, I'm a fan of the people who are trying to just make it better without hating. Yeah. And, yeah. and comedy is a great way to do it. I mean, one of the reasons why we're, we're doing this, this run, this off-Broadway run, is that someone came to me and said, uh, an actor I know said, hey, man, it's not funny anymore. Okay? It was funny for yeah. a while. It's not funny anymore. Yeah. And, and I, I said, I, I agree. It's not funny. That's why we have to make fun of it. Mm. Because as Lenin famously said also, the, the two things fascists can't handle are nonviolence and humor. Yeah. So like, you know, when they came, when Laughing Liberally came and said, hey, we want to do an off-Broadway run and we want you to pick a bunch of people. I saw it as it's more of like a three week comedy festival of comics and satirists who aren't going to come out and do jokes about Trump's hair and whatever. Yeah. It's, you know, they said their two rules were not conventional political comics mm-hmm. and they didn't wanted no white men. Mm. And I was like, sounds great. A couple yeah. of white men eventually sneaked in. But yeah. for me, it was putting together diverse voices yeah. and trying to find, you know where the funny is because we know so many good people progressive people who care moderate people conservative people who care and this is a time of what i call what the fuck fatigue where Mm. our outrage circuits are burned Mm -hmm. out joe Mm -hmm. arpaio's pardon was 700 what the fucks ago yeah oh you mean death camp joe yeah i'm just always forgetting if he's the death camp joe the concentration camp he He created concentration camps before the current concentration i was in his prison i did a show with bill maher in maricopa county jail um and yeah they're all dressed like the hamburglar and with pink underwear and it's designed to humiliate them and that's county which means it's mostly non-violent non-white drug offenders just for humiliation. Mm-hmm. So, Sleeping outside, baking in the sun. I mean, in Korean War era tents out in the desert. And w- we did a week of shows there, uh, Bill Maher and myself and some other comics. And, you know, it's, it's the lack of empathy and you see it. And mm-hmm. to me, it all comes back to, am I going to give in to my hatred and be on Twitter all yeah. the time yelling at these people and trying to argue that, with That's what bots? I opt for. That's, that's been very healthy. As long as you make it me. entertaining, as long as it's fun for someone else to read. My, my philosophy on Twitter is, dudes, there's girls watching. You know, <laughs> so like make it entertaining if you have to. But so I was really drawn to the fact of like, okay, halfway through Trump, one fifth of the way through the century. Yeah. I, I need to I need to laugh. And I think it's more important than ever to retain our good humor, because if we fall into bitterness and a lot of us did this during Bush Cheney. Yes, I remember. Which yeah. is still a worst administration than this, if you ask me. For body count. Yeah. Body and count. For economy tanking. Housing market, a worldwide yeah. economy, mm-hmm. one million dead Iraqis. Mm-hmm. You know, Andrew Jackson, worst human than, mm-hmm. than, than Trump. Bush, still worst president, but it's early. Uh, for me, the act of of laughter and being good natured while completely facing the reality Mm -hmm. 
is a political act in and of itself. I'm mm-hmm. not an optimist. I'm a recovering cynic. Mm-hmm. And to know how bad it is and to still ply the trade of joy. Yeah. It feels like something that I need and I think a lot of people need right now. A conservative, formerly conservative friend of mine, actually Bushy, who's come never Trumper, he's obsessed right now with, as many of us are, with the Kamala Harris laughing videos. These are these montages. You've seen them. She's She laughs. She has a very Hillary-esque laugh, but it seems irrepressible in her. Like just something is making her laugh about the situation. But we look at those images and like just our mirror neurons feeling that someone in the thick of it as Kamala Harris can laugh that hard is something is like so somatically pleasing. You just are like when I the first time I saw Hillary laugh after the election, I was like, it's safe to go back in the water. Yes. Yes. You know, we can't allow this malfeasance to steal our joy because we have to live through these times and still find joy and and enjoy art and party and have fun with our friends and make a lot of love and create things and be good to children and old people. And, and, you know, we can't let the moral crusade become our fixation. And then we are addicted to Trump and he is living rent free in our head. It's really, really important to remind us what we're fighting for. And it's to, you know, a better America where there's joy. For Trumpcast listeners who don't know John's incredible story, you got to tell it. And then I've got something to tell you. Well, I sort of have this weird idea on religion because because of religion, I get to be here. But because of religion, I'm not supposed to be here. My mom was a, a nun from the Deep South segregation. She entered the convent right out of high school. They put her through nursing school, sent her off to uh, Africa to work with lepers in mm-hmm. the jungles of Malawi. My father was a Franciscan brother. He wore the robes and the rope belt and taught history to Catholic boys in Brooklyn and looked like the lost Jedi Knight. So my dad was in love with my mom and carried a torch for her in secret for 10 years. Where did they meet? Well, she was briefly sent to Holy Family Hospital in Brooklyn before Mm -hmm. she went to Africa and he was recovering from TB. So they were in their 20s. He fell in love with this Southern girl in a nun's habit that he knew he could never have and had promised his God he would never want. He carried a torch for many years. When she was in Africa, there were no radios or newspapers, so my dad's letters to her were mm-hmm. the newspaper for the convent. Mm-hmm. Um, he told her he was in love with her once, and she threw him out of the hospital, and then later he he proposed while she was still in the habit, mm-hmm. and she finally said yes, and it was uh, a tremendous story, and they raised us to be progressive, free-thinking Catholics. <laughs> which is, that's really, really wild and yeah, amazing. And I, I can't will afford say, the therapy I need. Did you see Fleabag? I've seen some of it. Okay. Oh, well, the the very end is amazing. I don't want to spoil it for you, but there's a priest involved. Mm. And I realized that I fervently did not want her, Fleabag, who's had sex with, you know, what, 100 men throughout the course of it to have sex with him because somehow the celibacy thing was binding on me. I was like, oh my gosh, I could see anything on screen, but I can't see someone having sex with a priest. It's just too hard. And, you know, and you... Yeah, but for me, when I was 11, I learned what celibacy was. Amazing. And I realized that my parents had promised God I would never happen. And and my existential neuroses like went to 11 when I was 11. And it took me until I got older and realized, oh, wait a second. That's Pope Innocent II, 1139 AD, pulling that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sort of like saying that because priests were leaving land and wealth to their kids, yeah. there we had celibacy because of greed, not because Jesus was a bachelor, uh, not because right, sex right. was bad, but because way before Da Vinci Code, the church <laughs> just wanted to hang on to the prophets. So for me, boom, unbiblical, like yeah. the, the prohibition against masturbation or, or even the prohibitions the church has the hangups about gay people. Yeah. 
None of it comes from Jesus. All of it comes from very selective readings of Scripture. You can't be a homophobe and call yourself a follower of Jesus. Yeah. You can't be crappy to trans people or want to turn away desperate refugees from uh, Syria or Christian refugees fleeing our drug war at mm -hmm. our southern border. Mm -hmm. You can't deliberately be crappy to trans people wanting to serve in our military or trans kids wanting to use a bathroom they yeah. felt like. Jesus, whether he was a real person uh -huh. or a fictional character, myth, son of God, whatever you want to go with, yeah. he, he, he stood for a couple things, love, obviously, but always standing up for the marginalized. Mm. Whoever was despised, right? That's yeah. who this character, yeah. prostitutes, the poorest of the poor, the lepers, the despised foreign minorities. Mm -hmm. He very deliberately chose Samaritan rather than, you know, someone that mm. we knew mm -hmm. because it was deliberate to try to make someone that it was okay to hate mm. be the hero of that story. Uh, the tax collectors he stood mm. up for, even the occupying Roman centurions with mm -hmm. that famous story of the, mm -hmm. it was the guy's lover, not his slave, but that's another matter. <laughs> it was always who's marginalized, who's, who's being hurt. That's who Jesus fights. Yeah. Modern Christianity in America, this evangelical superiority, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really evangelical supremacism to me or anti-abortionism. It's not yeah. Christianity because it's all about beating up those on the lowest rungs of the ladder. Yeah. If Mike Pence was Christian, he'd be at the border with water and blankets and food. Yeah, yeah. Not doing this. Turning away war refugees. Right. We, everyone who voted for Trump knew that he had stolen money from vets mm -hmm. with a scam online university. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the greatest thing they've done is convince followers of Jesus to vote against the teachings of Jesus yeah. by talking about abortion, which Jesus never talked about. Mm. We believe the talking snake was literal fact, but love your enemy was just our Lord and Savior being all <laughs> metaphorical and such. <laughs> right, exactly. Also, love your neighbor seems like the easiest one where um, some of the more Byzantine things they get into about uh, zygotes and stuff seem like incredibly surreal. The Bible's not against abortion. The Bible's not against abortion, But it's right? a Harry Potter spell you can use to get people to vote against everything that the New Testament actually stands for. And yeah. there's a little trick your listeners can do. Just when you have that Trump supporting diehard loved one, um, just ask them, please name one specific gospel teaching of Jesus mm -hmm. that Trump campaigned on or has fought for mm -hmm. legislatively. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There is none. Yeah. I don't count the prison reform. That was, he didn't fight for that. And Jared helped. And it's the first yeah. step. It's good. But he has not fought for anything. And he did not campaign on anything close to a teaching of Jesus. Yeah. Do you identify as a practicing Catholic now? No, okay. no, I don't. I view Christianity as like, I view liberalism. I aspire mm -hmm. to be Christian. I aspire mm -hmm. to be liberal. Mm -hmm. I haven't been to mass since my mom died. I go to mm -hmm. church, but I don't go to services. I, I just pop in for the time. Yeah, just to see the stained glass and have a moment. I'm not against the Catholic church. I think they're the greatest force in the world against poverty. Mm -hmm. They're the greatest advocates in the world against the death penalty mm -hmm. um, and against uh, and for universal health care. Mm -hmm. Even Benedict was for yeah. universal health care. But- if they want to survive and not be a third world cult, they got to drop the sex stuff, which is all Old Testament and St. Paul, and get over the celibacy, get over the, the women in the priesthood. What an insult to God. Yeah. No knob, no job. 51% of the population, unworthy. <laughs> I mean, none of this stuff is in the Bible. And that's why I would consider myself a Catholic. I don't think the Pope would. But for me, it's like I reached a point where I thought my church isn't very Christian.
or yeah. not. They're they're deliberately being unchristian. You also have Francis on the climate, which is which is yeah, Francis on the climate, yeah. which covers all of wildlife and nature too. And and the Benedict Francis split. It's also kind of pleasant to think about the Opus Dei figures like Steve Bannon, who now think Benedict is you know this thing buried yeah. under floorboards in the yeah. Vatican, and that you know Francis is keeping him down there because Francis is uh, such a lib. I mean, <laughs> that's an interesting. That's a new interesting twist. So yeah, hard time for Christianity. Although I see some breaks in the facade of the evangelicals, some really nice moments. Taylor University, I don't know if you saw this, a huge boycott against having Mike Pence. It's in a Christian right. college in Indiana, having Mike Pence speak. He did ultimately speak and they fired the president. So just to spell it out, Indiana, where he was the governor, Taylor University, which doesn't have, isn't asked, allowed to have, you know, someone from the from the White House yeah. come to their college ever. An act evangelical who puts God first in everything, a conservative evangelical school, and they say we're not going to have that that vice president because of his alignment with I Trump. Mean, Mike Pence is a particularly revolting fake Christian. He actually yeah. calls himself an evangelical Catholic, which isn't a thing, but that's just how he's I've like. Heard that, I'll right. try to be even meaner and shittier to broaden mm-hmm. my appeal mm-hmm. to the base. And you and I talked about this, I think, at Politicon. Like they say, the largest growing religious demographic in America are Mormons. I think that's wrong. I think the largest growing demographic religious wise is people who were raised religious Mm -hmm. and now consider themselves spiritual Mm -hmm. because they're over the hypocrisy of men in dresses and funny hats. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Um, All right. So I want to hear more about the show. So you've got you've got a like big team. Is it a different show every night? Yeah. we. And where is it? This is at. It's really cool. This is at um, the theater at St. Clements, which is on West 46th Street here in Manhattan. Any of your listeners, you know, in the area, this is the time to come to New York. This theater is adjacent to a church. And I kind of love the idea of being blasphemous there. But it's a church that has always been pro-LGBT equality, always pro-ordination of women, yep. um, always pro-social uh, justice, nonviolence. It's also where David Mamet premiered American Buffalo hmm, in this theater. Right, that, and, that beautifully pious piece. Right, and Pacino played there and Dustin Hoffman and, and Faye Dunaway. So it, it's a different lineup every night. And I just wanted to go for the, mo- the broadest array of voices. So we have celebrities. We have uh, African-American comics. We have uh, Muslims, gay. Co- we have one gay Muslim. Uh, but Elaine Boozler will be joining us. Oh, my gosh. She, Loneliest she... can on the on the shelf. Did you? I watched over and over again. Um, what was it called? Evening of the Improv. Yeah. And, um, and her thing about being a single woman is the greatest thing in She's the world. She's a genius. And her stuff about being a woman over 50 is yeah. spectacular. Ooh, but, I need that. I'm like I'm oh, two weeks in. And she's great. I'm she, already feeling it. She, she does a lot of material about about uh, you know, p- politics now, and her political stuff is so sharp. She stopped touring uh, last year, and so I wasn't sure if she'd do it. And I, I asked her. She opened for me in a show I did in L.A. earlier mm-hmm. in the summer, and so she agreed to come and do four shows. Thrilled about that. Janine Garofalo is going to come for a night. Mm, nice. uh, Judah Friedlander of 30 Rock will be there. Yes, um, and then Marina Franklin, who is in Trainwreck and Crashing is going to be part yes. of it. Chuck Nice from Star Talk. Uh, Ted Alexandro, who went to St. Francis Prep, one of the smartest comedians. He mm-hmm. opens for Jim Gaffigan nationwide. Mm-hmm. He's going to do some sets. Um, and it's everyone Finnegan. every night? Or yeah, it's, no, it's a different it's lineup. It's a different lineup every, every night. The only nice. one every night's me. You're stuck with me as the I'm headliner. I'm so glad it is um, underway and, and going. And yeah, Dino Badala, Nagin Farsad. You can go to uh, laughingliberallyny.com. So I'd, go, guys, go out to see this like school marm, churchy, politically correct comedy and ignore 
ignore the Archie Bunkers on Netflix. Um, <laughs> it will be filthy. This, it's going to be it's <laughs> it's filthy. But yeah, and I I hope you do a lot of scolding when people use the wrong words and pronouns and stuff because you, you, know you really want to deliver that that um the everyone what everyone likes political correctness so much for. Well, I was tired um, of like people viewing the left as this one big monolithic scold schoolmarm attitude, and there's so many different. <laughs> but you know, I like laughing at it. Well, I want to be like that. But I wanted to have like you know gay comics will do filthy material, yeah. women comics will do feminist material. It's not necessarily got to be jokes about the government. It's got to be yeah. about society and culture and what it means to be on the liberal end of the spectrum, wanting to move forward, wanting to progress towards a more intelligent and decent society, but yeah. with thick jokes. So I, we sort of veered a little bit into atheism. Please. And I, you are not a schadenfreude person like me, so I will take on the schadenfreude. But... I take pleasure from the suffering of people who don't know what schadenfreude means. <laughs> so do you, I mean, well, obviously we're lefties and also religious weirdos, but I'm going to say the bloom, you've talked to the the so-called new atheists some, the bloom seems off the new atheists rose right now since they're aligned with the intellectual dark web, the like loopy right wing, you know, people that lead in packs of incels and the new atheists, um, because they're so aligned with Jeffrey Epstein and mm-hmm. Peter Thiel and, and um, you know, some of the, it, it isn't just that they didn't believe in God, it's that they didn't really seem to have believed in kindness or humility or not taking slaves. Um, so, is it too much to ask that Jesus-y people like Anna Marie Cox and uh, Nicole Cliff and you, like, we're never going to be as cool and swashbuckling as, like, the, you know, cool atheists who just, like, think nope. we're jerks. No, nope. true. Um, but, uh, but by the same token, they think that it's all fundamentalism. I mean, watching American right, TV, that's true. you have atheists and you have douchebags screaming at women outside clinics. And these are the two polarities that were offered. Right. The majority of believers are not horrible fundamentalist people. Yeah. So I just, you know, my mom finally gave me permission to talk about her past. And when that Mm -hmm. happened, it opened a floodgate in me because I just didn't see my point of view anywhere. I mean, Mm -hmm. theologians, academics, sure, but not in comedy or in the culture. Mm -hmm. So like I was on Bill Maher debating Jerry Falwell and David Duke in my 20s Mm. because, you know, I... It, and it made my agents furious, mm. but I didn't hear my point of view anywhere. And yeah. I thought, how can I do this and, and make it funny at the yeah. same time? And I find it very comforting about the new atheists being awful people because yeah. that's every station of faith. You have your yeah. horrible fundamentalists who have no empathy and right. you have your deeply loving people. And that's Hinduism, Islam, yeah. Judaism, atheism, too. Yeah. Some yeah, of the best no, Christians of I know are atheists, and uh, <laughs> and some of the most godless heathens I know are atheists too. So you say we got to keep laughing and we can't get too serious, but well, no, we we have to get serious, but we also have to laugh too. We have to laugh. This has been a rough three years. It's just been a rough three years. Like even if you kind of bluff your way through it, been a rough twenty first century. Yes, but this one somehow has had particularly shattering effects on my worldview. It's just shaken my confidence that things are going to be okay. Like maybe they're not going to be okay at all. 62 million knew about stealing money from vets with a school. They knew about the racism. They knew about the lies. It wasn't a deal breaker. We love these people. We know these people. Some of us do. I mean, I'm related to a lot of them. And in a way, this is where America's always been. I mean, it's worth pointing out the first act of protest by a European in this hemisphere was a priest. 
Bartolomeo de las Casas on mm-hmm. Columbus's first voyage, who wrote back to the queen. Uh, he was not anti-slavery per se, but he was anti the torture that Columbus and his men were inflicting on these people. Mm. And he wrote back to the queen, essentially, you know, calling out Columbus. So you can never use the argument no one knew. It's just how things were back mm-hmm. then. Like, mm-hmm. no, there's always been dissenters and they've generally yeah. always been on the left. They're usually proven right years after they're dead. Mm-hmm. And and we get to be part of that tradition. And, you know, there's always going to be injustice. There's always going to be times like this. And there will always be people who choose the unpopular thing of caring about others and of <laughs> moving forward and of not buying it when it's comfortable. A friend of mine asked what uh, the Dalai Lama's book the- what is it, The Secret of Happiness or How to Be Happy or something, and said, can you just summarize it for me because I'm just like going through a period of depression. I just need something. And then and the friend started to explain, and the first friend said, eyes grew wide and said, oh, no, please don't tell me it's help other people. Anything but help other people. And then she was like, it's help other people, isn't it? It is help other people. It's just never not that. And nobody wants it to be that because who wants to help people? That's so annoying. Well, no one wants to do anything. I mean, no one wants to get up and do cardio. That's going to help you, too. No one wants to do sit up. That's going to help you. Oh, my God. You're bringing a lot of bad news here today. Sit-ups and helping people. I mean, what do you want from me? I mean, these (laughs) are the things that that will help us are not... It's not a convenient pill we can take. You're never going to make any money saying, hey, stop eating garbage. Uh, stop <laughs> eating crap, Americans. Instead, we'll have the colon health lady here saying there's a pill for that. Keep what eating the garbage. What was that thing that Anna, Anna Nicole Smith did? Remember, she was like hydri cut or whatever. And I was like, she looks great. And then she died, I think, two or three days later. And I still was like, should I get that hydri cut stuff? <laughs> Something's wrong with me. Anyway, that's not everybody else's experience. Most people don't take that away from Anna Nicole, Anna Nicole Smith. Most people don't say, I'll have what she's having right before she dies. <laughs> well, um, a 90-year-old billionaire, maybe. But yeah. uh, Yes, exactly. Last thing about this show, what is your set like? What are you do? Are you trying something new? Yeah, you're I'm, moving hard right, right? Like I'm moving hard right for this. You're doing like yeah. they're very fine people on both sides, and you let's give what? it up for the neo Nazis. I mean, we really have to think about a flat tax. We really, it's <laughs> it's really time for us to talk about how hard uh, cis white men have had it for for quite a while. Just and, so um, hard. You know what? And one group that has really been kind of smug for a long time um, and gotten away with a lot: poor children with cancer. Like, I'm so glad this president's yeah. finally taking that on. No, exactly. And also those kids born abroad on army bases and stuff. Are then, they Americans? Like, wow, you really do hate John McCain don't you? That was wild. I, the, you know, I'm going to try and do a different set every night. We have a different lineup every night yeah. and I'm encouraging people to come as often as they want because it'll be a TKTS. You can get cheap tickets. So, um, you know, I will touch on religion every night because it's really important to me. It's really important that we take the flag back from the cretins, that we take the Bible back from the hypocrites, yep. that we take sex back from the vulgarians, yeah. uh, and that we take um, the government back from people who are not interested in being public servants. So like, I'll do, I'm, I'm going to do everything. I do slapsticky. I will make fun of Trump. I will do my terrible. I will break down my terrible Trump impression. It's actually Marlon Brando on Adderall with a cold. Um, <laughs> it, it, speed and speed. Can and we mucus. have a tiny bit of it, please? A tiny bit. Well, a t- I do terrible impressions. I, I know mean, I'm awful too, but, but I like, always like, it doesn't stop me. Well, I mean, the way I I I can't do a Trump, and I. I toured with Daryl Hammond years ago, 
and I was his middle, and I just gave up ever doing impressions. He was just a master. Yeah. But with Trump, I, I couldn't do it. So instead, I, I, I worked on my lady, Rebrando. I'm sitting on an island in Tahiti, and they have a lot in common. They want to just be on an island and have sex with underage females and, and, and get fat. It's natural. And then I got Brando hooked on Adderall, and now it's Brando with amphetamines, and it's angry Brando, and then I give him a cold, and once it's Brando with mucus, and then, then I get into my Donald Trump voice, and <laughs> God, the actor you have doing him on the top of this show oh is so Oh my God, good. John D. Domenico. Yeah, we root for him. I want to do my Brando. Please. I didn't hear you asking. I would love to do, you do man, a Brando. Man we just learned this week that Brando confronted Michael Jackson. So who oh, knew Brando yes. would get good press 15 years later? Right, exactly. But we didn't the last press he got was like he actually did rape that person in Last Tango in Paris. Okay, last let's Tango just, in Paris let's has not been cheer for Brando uh, yet. It used to be my first date movie for everyone to get to know me, and now we can't it's, do that it's anymore. something else, yeah. All right, here's my impression. The Napoleonic Code will, will belongs to the man, belongs <laughs> to the woman. Is this a bad to say with the Napoleonic Code? Okay. Great. That's so, a great Brando. When we've devolved into Brando impressions, you know that it's time to end. God, but, we're pandering uh, to millennials. We are pandering. Totally. Oh, yeah, you, you know, because they're, they're all big Brando fans. <laughs> um, so thank you for being here. I love your show so much. Um, thank you. I, and I love all the hosts, but it's, it's an honor to be here with you. And seriously, like in the age of political podcasts, I, I do one uh, for Stephanie Miller's Sexy Liberal Podcast oh, Network. Yes, and yeah. I do the Sanity Cast because I wanted to do a podcast just about how to stay sane yes. in these times. Th- this show uh, helps me get there because it is not a doom and gloom thing. It is, let's have both eyes open and let's be positive and let's take on these beasts. I hope that's true. I really hope that's true. And if not that, at least they, you can be like, I'm not as bad as Virginia. She's doing Brando <laughs> impressions. Thank you so much for being here. It's great to see you. Such an honor. And I hope to get you back on our SiriusXM show soon. My guest today has been John Fugelsang. He has a show off Broadway right now called Laughing Liberally. You got to check it out if you're in New York. And that's it for today's show. What did you think? I'm at page 88 on twitter.com. The show is at Real Trumpcast. Hey, if you're still hanging out on the internet, why not go to slate.com slash Trumpcast plus and become a Slate Plus member? I'm going to get serious for a second. There's so many bids to join streaming podcast services and they charge a monthly fee that's $8, $9, $20. Guess what? You can join Slate Plus for $35 a year for the first year. So go to slate.com slash Trumpcast plus. That's slate.com slash Trumpcast plus. No day like today. Our show today was produced by Melissa Kaplan with help from Merritt Jacob. Our voice of Donald Trump is really the only voice of Donald Trump, John D. Domenico. He's on Twitter at JohnnyD23. That's at JohnnyD23. I'm Virginia Heffernan, and thanks for listening to Warren Cat. I mean Trumpcast. Hurricane Dorian, I just found out, is a five plus. It's a five plus, meaning it's the absolute biggest storm in the history of mankind. Not only that, not only that, it's bigger, it's wetter, it's scarier, it's meaner. It's certainly much meaner. It's uh, bigger in scope and it's deeper. No one mentions about the deepness. This is the deepest hurricane ever and the tallest. The tallest, the deepest with the biggest eye as the biggest eye. You could put a planet inside the eye of this hurricane. That's how big it is. That's how big it is.
There is so much money coming in from China. There are container ships of cash coming in, and we're going to take that money, and we are going to do amazing things, amazing things, truly incredible things are going to be done. Infrastructure, amazing infrastructure, and my friends who helped me, they're going to get some of that too because they're tremendous people, and they really, really deserve it. Please don't believe the Chinese who said we did not speak last week or the week before, the week before that. We are talking to China every single day. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's China. I hope it's China because if it's not, I don't know who the hell we're talking to.